0: Yeah, looking back, it's easy to see the hand of God. Um, going through a lot of different situations, it's harder sometimes to to figure that out. Looking back, it, you know, we're still here. You know, seeing some of the impact that we've had, the peace, some of the stories we're gonna talk about are I would never wanna go through them again. But that's where my faith really grew, so yeah, that's a way of also seeing where the Lord is present there.
1: You just heard a snippet of my conversation with Brad Weston, who I recently had the opportunity to sit down with in the MAF maintenance hangar in Nampa, Idaho, to hear stories from his time on the field. He serves now at MAF as a member care specialist focusing on the well-being of the missionaries who are on the field, mentally, physically, and spiritually. Brad Weston is well-suited to this task of caring for missionaries, because even though the world has gotten closer through technology, and communications no longer cost an arm and a leg or take months to reach its destination. Being halfway around the world in a developing nation can take a toll on even the most dedicated and committed people serving out their calling. Hardships, exhaustion, and discouragement are all realities, and Brad Westham and his family experienced their fair share of them while serving in the early 2000s in Africa. So I'm going to list a handful of MAF programs of Africa, and Brad will explain the acronyms afterward. DRC, C-A-R, Lesotho.
0: DRC is Democratic Republic of Congo, C-A-R is Central African Republic, and Lesotho is Lesotho, as we say in Texas.
1: Now, if you follow those countries on through the late 90s and into the early outs, one of those nations is not like the other, concerning MAF, and something besides two of them being an acronym. Lesotho is the only one country in that list that MAF has not had to evacuate from or discontinue operations due to upheavals in that country. What does connect these three programs together is that the Weston family served in all three of them. What's more, they left both DRC and CAR due to those program closures when the country was simply too dangerous. We'll be hearing pilot Brad Weston recount how the Lord was present during his family's service, specifically while in CAR. These stories involve flight, military coups, an unlikely angel at the crossroads, and house arrest. Oh, and one story about a chameleon, which we'll
2: get to just after this. Did you know you can make an even bigger impact in the lives of isolated people by setting up a recurring gift? Your recurring monthly gift makes it possible for MAF to be there for people in remote places that they need help most. By setting up an ongoing monthly gift, you are helping MAF stay better prepared to consistently bring help to people living in remote parts of the world. Aviation and technology ministries, like MAFs, are complex and costly, especially considering where MAF serves. No cost is too great when it comes to people knowing and experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. Please consider signing up one time for a recurring gift. It's easy to do and you can cancel anytime. Set up your recurring gift at maf.org donate. Thank you for bringing hope to people living in isolated places around the world.
0: CAR is a really interesting country and it's got part of the rainforest like the Congo has. Elephants all over, pygmy tribes, and so there's evangelism going on with that. Then a lot of the plains area like you would think of in, um, yes, the Lion King, you know, where there's hills and, and animals on each hill. your know, Grasslands with classic Africa.
1: CAR is a rich country, rich with wonderful people and rich in natural resources and beauty. But CAR suffers in other ways. It's the lowest in human development and one of the least healthiest countries in the world amongst other ignominious and unfortunate listings. But it's those qualities, not mix of a wealth of potential, but a matched darkness where MF missionaries know they can make a profound difference and be a great light, both in the moment and for the future.
0: Our Africa Regional Director, after our time in Congo, asked us if we would go there. The program is actually connected to the West DRC. There are a number of reasons why it should probably be its own program. And so there's one pilot mechanic family that was there, and we would be the second pilot mechanic, be able to actually double our services to the missionaries. And so with two families there, we became our own program. We prayed and had a peace about going there.
1: So in the early 2000s, fresh off an evacuation from the DRC, the Weston family took their call to live and serve with two daughters to C.A.R. It was hard but not without reward and unique moments that can only come from living in new environments while still working on the language and getting to know the people around you. And controlling the rat problem.
0: We lived kind of on the edge of a field and in Bangui, C.A.R. had these mutant rats that were large and had extra toes. You know, their bodies were probably seven or eight inches you know with the tail they're over a foot long so they're they're big so we had a rat problem so we would we'd chase the rats down and and corner them and then they'd stand up and they'd hiss at you i mean i never never seen a rat do that before so i can remember a couple of different times where our gardener was we were chasing rats down uh in the back in kind of in the storage shed and course he's barefoot and he's he would stomp on these rats barefoot you know and so the guy is courageous
1: i would i'm like i'm not doing that so the locals weren't afraid of immune rats one bit however every culture comes with their own set of norms and while stomping mutant car rats is all in a day's work for one there was another local tradition that had brad scratching his head
0: we were living in the capital
1: and we had a gardener and a lady that helped us in the house. This is the same gardener who had no problem smashing rats, just so that you aren't confused. A lot of times people come to the gate and we have high walls
0: and my gardener came and got me. I just happened to be home that day. I was pretty excited and he was asking me to come to the gate to meet somebody. So I, I went to the gate and we started talking. And it was a, a man who had a bag and he said he had an animal that he wanted to show me. wasn't interested in buying it like well I don't know what is it you know and um, we invited him into the yard and my gardener was acting really nervous which was kind of strange because I hadn't seen him like this before so the guy was telling me what kind of animal it was but I didn't recognize the word in French he opened the bag carefully and the way they were both acting I was wondering uh, is this some kind of viper or something and so I opened it up and he kind of holds the bag away from me and he shakes it out and this big chameleon that's probably eh, foot and a half falls out on the ground. And both of them jump back. And I thought, oh, wow, a chameleon. And, you know, the eyes go in the opposite directions and stuff. So I reached down and I picked it up. And that's when they both freaked out. You know, and my gardener was like, put it down, put it down. What are you doing? I know like, it's fine. And I'm trying to hand it to him and he won't touch it. And so I, uh, I call my daughters out and they both pet it when I'm letting them hold and my gardener is freaking out. I couldn't, he's re- really talking fast and I can't keep up with the French. So I told the guy yeah, I'll buy it. So we bought it I can't remember it was only like a couple of dollars, you know, so he kept it. And so later I finally got him to touch it, you know, but just like on the back of the tail kind of thing. And so finally I was like, slow down. What? put the chameleon away what's the story why why don't you want to touch it so what he told me was that chameleons change colors okay i knew that well they're afraid that if the chameleon bites you that their jaws lock and it's going to hold on to you and you're going to change colors with it until it like thunders three times in a row and then the chameleon will let go i had never (laughs) heard that story before And he finally got over it as my daughters were carrying it around the yard all the time, and he would touch it and realize that it wasn't going to bite him. But it was, you kind of wonder, how did that story ever happen?
1: So when Brad wasn't dispelling superstitions about chameleons, he was a missionary pilot, flying and being an advocate for flight in CAR, which wasn't difficult with the three seasons that were to be found throughout the year.
0: Dry season, rainy season, and we had bandit season. So... During the dry season, there were thieves that were totally out, you know, thieving.
1: None of those seasons befitted travel by road, but some missionaries needed to experience the benefit of flight firsthand before realizing how much of a godsend MAF was to have in country.
0: AIM, African Inland Mission, was in Central African Republic. The director lived in the capital of Bangui, where I lived, and I got to meet him and so he would drive out to, all their mission work was way out in the east end of the country. And I think it was, it was a 10-day journey uh, of four-wheel drive, you know, 10 or 12-hour days. So I kept talking to him saying, you know, hey, let me fly out there four hours. No, 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 you know, it's, it's expensive. And so then I asked him, you know, well, how much does it cost you to drive out there? And he told me. Well yeah, the airplane's a, it was more expensive than what he put in for fuel, but then I said, what kind of repairs do you usually have to put in your Mercedes four-wheel drive Jeep when you get back? You, know, you usually got to get tires, there's usually a broken axle, there's something that's broken that's got to get fixed. Started adding all that stuff in and whoa, the airplane really wasn't that much more expensive. So I was like, "Look, let me let me just fly you out once." I want to serve you. I want to help you. So he said, "Okay." We talked him into it. So fly him out. We had to make one fuel stop on the way there. We uh, land at the airport, and all the church leaders are coming out to him and greeting us. And they're like, "Uh, "Okay, well, we have some lunch for you. We're planning to start the meetings tomorrow, because that's normally what happens." He shows up exhausted, and then rests for the evening, and then they start the meetings. No, he goes, we could start right now if that's okay with you. I actually slept on the way here. He slept in the airplane.
1: (laughs) That's a promising start to begin important annual meetings with restful travel instead of an arduous journey. But it doesn't stop there. The passenger had a successful, productive, week-long conference, and Brad was there to get him back home at the end of it.
0: I saw him a couple days later, and I said, so what, what do you think? How was it? He goes, I'll never drive that again. I'll use MF.
1: Four hours on a plane sleeping, or days of bone-jarring, car-demolishing, bandit-lined driving, MAF flights were faster, safer, and all things considered less expensive. MAF made a name for themselves within the country as the go-to for travel.
0: SIL came through, and they have their own aviation department, and they're just going through doing safety audits. And they talk with us, M.F. and check our records, and are we safe, and... MAF and SIL work closely together and so of course they agreed with us and they started talking to their missionaries. The missionaries weren't really using us that much so SIL actually said look we're asking you to use the airplane and it's for your safety and for your health that we're asking you to do that and we're actually gonna put into your budget so you can use the airplane because There's so much tension driving, and you don't know if you're going to get pulled over and get held at gunpoint. And if it's rainy season, all the roads are washed out and stuff, and it's hard on you and your family. Just take the airplane. And so we started flying more of the SIO missionaries. After their leadership were saying, take the airplane. Don't beat yourself up. You'll accomplish
1: a lot more. MAF worked closely with the missionary community within the country. But that was only part of their service, as MAF missionaries linked up with national workers. Since MAF had a high reputation for the quality of their conduct and service, the opportunities were deep and came from unexpected quarters.
0: I was talking to a missionary, and CAR borders Chad, so it's pretty arid up there. He had heard of a village, and they were they're wanting to do a survey to see if there's a possibility the Lord is opening a door up there. He had some contacts with a, a guy who had a trucking business, ended up being a Muslim man. I met him and started talking to him. And there was an old airstrip up near the village, or actually in the village. And he could talk to his family by radio. And I told him that we were interested in flying up, what was the airstrip like? And he had his family and people in the village go out and clear the airstrip and then smooth it out. So I told him, yeah. I, if you could drive your truck down the airstrip at 100 kilometers an hour and it's not banging it around, it's pretty smooth, and that's okay. So he did that. He finally came back to me and told me, okay, they can, they can drive 100 kilometers an hour. And so is that good enough? And I said, all right, we'll have to go up and see. And so it did go up and check the airstrip and it was okay. And So I flew up a, a missionary and myself and then their national evangelists so there's three of us and we went up to stay in this village of Biaro for a couple of days just to see what was there and while we were there a truck met us at the grass airstrip which is in close to the center of the village come to find out it was the only truck in the village and it was the brother of the man that I met in Bangui in the capital so he sent him to meet with us and he took us over to uh, kind of a Ink compound had kind of like a fences made out of sticks and all the houses are kind of just made out of sticks and mud waddling in between. And so we met an aged Central African. He was actually a pastor, had a church in the village. And so this is where we were staying. And so they welcomed us and they fed us. And as we're sitting around outside, because it's too warm to kind of be inside. And so we ate outside under these trees. This man looked at us and said, you have to bring a pastor up here. You have to bring somebody to help me with the church because I'm old. There's Mm -hmm. nobody here that can take over for me and carry on the church. You have to, you have to help me. My missionary friend was very excited for the invitation. Well then after dinner, uh, this truck comes back. The brother's there and he wants to take us on a tour of the village. So he drives around the village. And it's not I mean it's like half a mile from one side to the other, very small. But there actually there's two mosques. There's a really small mosque and then there's a larger mosque that has some pretty significant walls, you know. And so we arrived there at the mosque. Outside are these chairs kind of sitting in a ring and there's three chairs for us. And we sit and serve tea and find out that these gentlemen are the elders of the mosque. One of the elders used to be a statesman for CAR and a politician. And so he, he starts speaking to us in very nice English and says how he wants us to come to Biaro. He wants the, the missionaries to come and send some missionaries to live in Beato because uh, they have a clinic there, but the clinic doesn't function all that well and their people are dying and they want help. And then they want MAF to come on regular flights. And if the missionaries are there, they know that MAF is gonna come because right then it's dry season, but during rainy season, I guess this plane around the village floods and they can't get in or out So again, their people are sick and suffering. They can't get their produce in or out of the village. And so they're looking at making their village better. And the missionary says, well, aren't you afraid that we're gonna proselytize your people? And he says, no, I'm not really worried about that. But I know if you're here, the clinic is gonna work and my people are gonna live. That was really powerful. The mayor was in this group And they even said, you know, we'll help you get property and we'll help you. That was, that was a really amazing, the Lord has opened this huge door. A couple days later we left and then a month or two later we came back to visit again. Brought a potential missionary pastor, Central African, a young guy to see the place. Well, the pastors, the old pastor is very excited and takes us to what he says is the prime spot in the village that the city or the village, the govern the elders of the village has, has given us to build this church. So we go and we, um, we visit the mayor of the village or the, I guess the region or something. And they actually have said, well, we're donating you the the property and we're actually waiving the government taxes. So we're going to cover that. We're giving you the property free. Here's the deed will
1: help you build it just when can you come <laughs> it was totally amazing it's important to remember these moments testaments and anecdotes to point back to the progress that was being made because these times are inextricably linked to other situations fraught with tension and close calls when the Westham family could almost see angels shielding and guiding them to safety in the tumultuous times they would find themselves in shortly like mentioned at the beginning of this podcast The Westham family served in Lesotho, DRC, and CAR, but two of them, MAF programs had to be evacuated and left behind because of dangers and security concerns, and CAR was one of those that required an evacuation for the Westhams.
0: Just because you may not be in a position to donate money, you can still support MAF in other ways. Partnering financially doesn't always mean writing a check or enabling a monthly withdrawal. There are creative ways you can give today while still preserving your assets for retirement and providing for your family. Charitable gifts can take many forms. You can list MAF on beneficiary designation forms for a retirement plan, life insurance, or a similar type of account. You can donate appreciated stocks, real estate, cars, or jewelry. It might come by donating business interests such as closely held stock or partnerships. These are all different ways that you can come alongside MAF as we reach out to the isolated in the Lord's name. To learn more about these types of charitable gifts and how you can help further MAF's mission, visit mafplannedgiving.org. The way that we knew that something was up was because a lot of our Central African friends would tell us that there were tensions. Hearing rumors about Different parties and military groups were starting to debate
1: and getting heated. The year was 2002. Unrest in CAR was palpable, and some type of action was a certainty. It was just a matter of when, not if. The expat community had their plans in place as well as they could, ready to go into action with a quick turnaround.
0: One of the missionaries who had been there a long time had some really higher-up contacts, especially in the military was keeping a very close ear to the ground, you know, on what was going on, and he was
1: informing the rest of us. They weren't ignorant about their circumstances, but none of them knew the exact time or how it would start. They all had to watch and wait. The answer, they found out, would come quickly and closer than they ever wanted it to.
0: And so there was a a coup attempt, and all of a sudden we're hearing shooting, um, and so unfortunately our house is probably a quarter mile either large hill small mountain on the other side is the military so the military had come over the mountain down close to our house and our house is the kind of the last house in the neighborhood and there was a big wall looking down into a field and then across the street to the palace so basically all the rebel soldiers lined up on this wall and we're shooting down at the palace, the palace guards were all shooting towards the rebels near our house. So it was evening and it hadn't been after dinner time. So we'd already put the girls to bed and Christian and I, uh, we had a couple of cement walls in between down the hill and up the hill. And so Christian and I kind of spent the night in the hallway outside the girls' rooms praying, checking the CB radio to find out what are the plans that are being made. And we're actually talking with the other missionaries. Well, the missionary that has been there for a while has contacts with the military. And so they're talking about, well, how do we, how do we get out of the city?
1: How to get out of the city, indeed. With the coup underway, the city already marked a battlefield. Now is the time to toss the bags into the car and get out of town. However, there were a couple of wrinkles. As Brad mentioned, he and his family were separated from the group and having to communicate via CB radio. They would have to group up with them somehow, and they'd have to plan it ahead of time. This was before satellite phones, let alone reliable cell phones. On top of these factors, there was another logistic they had to work around.
0: This is also, this battle is taking place on the only road on the out of the city, and we could hear gunshots, and we could hear shells pinging on top of the roof, but nobody came into our compound and there weren't any explosions, so that was good.
1: The Westems needed to get out, and over the course of the night, a plan was made. They had their bags, and they waited. So we're eating breakfast, and it's like, okay, they're here. We're leaving. And I thought,
0: okay, well, everybody's got to walk out. They must have everybody already in their cars. So all of a sudden, we're grabbing our kids. Everything was in the truck, but Kind of strap in girls in the car seats and open the gate and back truck out, and then we have this four wheel drive road down to the intersection. And so we got down there, and uh, they had already gone through, which I didn't know, I'm just kind of waiting for them to go by. And across Catacorn, across the, the little intersection is um, you know, the palace with a machine gun nest and soldiers there and then these soldiers are yelling at me you know like what are you doing and get out of your truck i'm telling them i'm
1: waiting for the missionaries to they were supposed to be leaving the city and remember that battle that had just happened hours before it happened down the way from here and now the guards have to find out what's so important for this family to be in their car on this day of all days
0: so they're they're wanting to look in the back of the truck and and i'm opening it up and all of a sudden this jeep a big a big jeep with a machine gun in the back comes roaring into the middle of the intersection and stops. And the guy standing with the machine gun goes, he's supposed to be out of here already. Go, 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 get out of here. And these other two guards that were there looked at him and just started, go, 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 you know, me. So now I'm trying to, you know, put the, close the truck all back up. And Christian, and I called that guy. He was our angel, you know, that, cause that wasn't looking good. Uh, right then what was
1: happening you're in a unique situation when your angel comes to you in a military jeep with a machine gun on his back the westhams were right not to be picky about the form their angel came in and took the opportunity he provided so now
0: i'm trying to you know put the close the truck all back up and um jumping in the truck to, to drive off he goes hurry you can catch them at the border and so the main thoroughfare to the first border is probably seven miles maybe of two lane road, lots of potholes and stuff like that. So you can't drive super fast, but yeah, I drove fast that day. So come we come to the gate and where and our missionaries are still there. So everybody is really clapping and praising the Lord. Of course, give me heart well, but took you so long, Brad, you know, and then everybody's all happy and hugging. And then, and then from there we drove, I think it's four and a half, five hours from there to Yoloki where uh, a mission station was and our base was. And so, and that's where, that's where we hung out until things kind of settled down.
1: And the fighting did settle down. Order was restored both in the capital and the country. And the Westhams were able to move back to Bangui and continue working. They eventually moved out to Yoloki where they had removed to after the coup and served there. So when we first got there, we, um, There was an airstrip
0: there, and we had a pad and a concrete pad, like a 10 by 10 that we parked the airplane on. And we had a container that we kept the parts on. And uh, so Rod and I would do maintenance on the airplane out in the sun, because it was really hot. Uh, So we would, we got out real creative trying to use tarps to build shade for us. And um, so probably a year or two later than we actually uh, were able to build a hangar. I mean, from being on the outside, um, it just kind of seemed like for a while things just kind of went back to normal. Somehow the,
1: these two leaders kind of settled things. The country did receive respite for a time. It would be after some two years of peace and the arrival of a third Western daughter, before the country would descend into further chaos brought on by the results of another attempt to overtake the ruling party.
2: There are places in the world nearly impossible to reach other than by air. Roads, if they exist, are impassable many months of the year, or perhaps they are too dangerous to travel without an armed convoy. Other regions are cut off by mountains and swamps. For over 70 years, MAF has used aviation and technology to share Christ's love with people in these isolated places. MAF needs pilots and aircraft mechanics and their families who are willing to set aside a career in their home country to live out and share Christ's love by flying airplanes and maintaining them to reach and serve isolated people. Jesus came and lived among us. Are you willing to go and live among remote people to share his love? You can learn more by calling MAF at 208 4980800 Or go to slash serve to learn more.
1: The third coup, which was not isolated to the capital, would be the death knell for the CAR program. The missionary community and country could no longer stay on with the danger that was around them, and they were evacuated. MAF was part of this group, and at the time of the evacuation, the Weston family was the only MAF missionary family in country at the time.
0: So I flew my family and this other family out to Cameroon, and we stayed out. That just, at the time, made sense. That made more room in Yoloki for the other missionaries that were coming. And we still have an airplane that's still, with a brand new hangar, still in country.
1: Family and safety comes first, but planes are an important part of MAF also. So Brad went about procuring the right permissions and assurances from those in C.A.R. to allow him to fly into Iloki, where the plane was, and fly out with the plane. He already had the flight in, provided by another aviation group, and eventually he received a message from C.A.R. that he would be allowed into country and fly the remaining plane out.
0: In Cameroon, SIL had airplanes, and we had a close working relationship with them, and I had been talking with the SIL pilot and wondering if he could fly me back into CAR
1: so then I could fly our other 206 out of the country. Flying into the country currently in the throes of a coup? Even the most brash souls ought to take pause before such an undertaking. Brad Weston wasn't about to go headfirst into such a situation, and he wanted more than human confidence before going back in. This is a big step,
0: and so I was unsure. So this community that we had developed in Yoloki, and I just said, hey, can you guys pray and fast with me? You know, ask the Lord, is this what we need to be doing? And so they said, yeah, okay, we'll pray. And so the next, the next day, about noon or something, we got together again. And to a man, every, every man said, I don't know. I don't have a peace about this. I don't think you should go. We, you know, just stay here. Don't go get the airplane.
1: Brad Weston would take the counsel of that unanimous vote and left the plane in C.A.R., where it would remain for the foreseen future. It was eventually retrieved, but only after two years had passed, when safe passage was promised, allowing the Cessna to fly again. What of the cancelled flight that Brad and the other pilot were slated for? Come to find out, assurances during such a time aren't what they're cracked up to be.
0: So later we found out that our Central African friends, including the pastors in Yoloki, were praying that I would not come back because they had heard from the uh, the military that uh, as soon as that we landed, the, the general was gonna come take me and put me under house arrest. So they're looking at it from a pilot perspective, just a worldly perspective, there didn't seem like there's any reason for us not to go get the airplane. But then later we found out there was, you know, uh, uh, A spiritual perspective where the Lord was showing us, no, don't, because there's evil intent, and he protected us from that.
1: There is no better communication than that right there. God and everyone working together to keep one of their own from harm's way. As a result, Brad Westham remained safe instead of becoming a bargaining chip during the fallout that ensued. The Westhams returned to the United States for a short furlough after the decision was made to close down operations in CAR. Brad was thankful for the Lord's provisions of safety during all these times. But after all the work that had been invested into C.A.R. to have to leave it behind, Brad had to come to a new understanding of God's plan for him, his family, and what Brad's work meant.
0: I really struggled. Was, was it really God leading me, to, for me for me to go back and take my family back into harm's way, or was I just being stupid? You know, my question was, does it matter whether I'm an MAF or could I just get an airline job and I'll just send money to missionaries or is is there something that is important about me being an MAF? And it came down to a crisis of faith of sovereignty of God (laughs) until finally uh, one day I'm moping around kind of in Christian You know, I remember standing out on the back porch and she opens the sliding glass door and she has the tent that we go camping in um, that we we love to camp. And she just kind of threw the tent at my feet and she threw my sleeping bag at my feet and said, "Um, you need to go spend some time with God. And she was right. So I took my Bible, my camping gear, a devotional book that I had been reading, and some notes and spent a long weekend just out in the wilderness with God and listening, and I came away with, yes, it, I, I have a plan for you and it's specific for you, Brad, and for your family. And yes, I want you in MAF. And so, uh, and yes, I'm leading you, have led you, will continue to lead you. And so at that point it was, okay, we'll stay in MAF, where do we go next? And, uh, and I was then at peace.
1: Not easy questions to ask. Thankfully, God was big enough to answer, and Brad listened. The Westhams have stayed with MEF since that prayerful time. And perhaps something is a gift from the big man himself. The Westhams' next country of service was Lesotho, and it became more than just where they served. So the next 10 years uh, <laughs> was,
0: the Lord just has such a great sense of humor, Um, so the next 10 years we actually stayed in in the same house we never moved and our kids grew up in the same house that became their home. everything that we dreamed about but then also my focus was different my focus wasn't on what I was going to accomplish for God and you know all my sweat and effort and the big plans that I thought were gonna happen, but it was falling in love more with the Lord and walking in step with Him. And it was fun to watch Him work every day, you know, in people's lives, in my own, in my kids and my wife, our pilots and our national workers, you know, my friend, my African friends that I made. It was a totally different
1: perspective. All during the interview, I asked Brad if he knew what became of any of those seeds planted back in CAR, Biaro, the pastor, Iloki. He could only shake his head with just a hint of regret. But since we aren't in control and God is, it's our work to let God lead and we walk alongside. And who knows how those seeds might yet be laying dormant waiting for the next community of believers to water them. I leave you with this final response from Brad Weston, as he remembers how enthusiastic he was to get to the mission field, how badly he wanted to go and how he was going to be the needed piece to finish the puzzle in Africa.
0: I could have stayed in school uh, another semester and got a degree, but that wasn't important. You know, what was important was getting overseas. And I had a friend who I helped him with another mission going over, and I'm helping him pack his stuff, and I'm so envious because, you know, he's leaving right now. He's like, and he was actually an M.K., he goes, Brad, relax. Ministry, missions in Africa is going to stay there. You know, it'll probably never get done. You just relax, follow the Lord, and you'll get there in the Lord's timing. But I was just pulling at the chains, you know, tr- I felt like I was caged in. And I was just sure that I was going to be part of the last great revival of Africa, you know, that people, you know, not because of me or my preaching or anything, but just, you know, people were going to come to the Lord and then, there's going to be a rapture in the whole thing. You know, that was (laughs) kind of my mindset when I first went over. And then then you realize there's a lot of dirt and sand and grit and sweat and blood. And, you know, there's just a lot of time that goes through, passes by, it's day-to-day. And it's a relationship with the Lord that really counts. And it's not the big grandiose thing that'll happen but it wasn't in my timing.
1: <laughs> life with God might not be easy but it can be exciting and it is fulfilling at MAF reaching the isolated and hurting with the love of Jesus is our mission something we try to fulfill day in and day out and Brad's service is a testimony to that calling thank you for listening to flight Follow. We hope these stories bring you insight to the corners of the world where MAF uses aviation and technology to see people physically and spiritually transformed by the love of Jesus. If you'd like to hear more about MAF's ongoing work and ministry, you can at maf.org, where we have all the most recent news and stories from our programs, as well as updates about our missionary families who serve with MAF. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we'd love for you to stop by and say hi. A thank you goes out to the great team that helps bring these together. Tracy Weary, our Director of Marketing and Communications, and Chris Burgess, our Communications and Media Manager. A thank you goes out to Brad Westham for sharing his time and experience with us. As we close, I want to remind you that we have other episodes of Flight Follow for you to queue up, and we hope you stay with us for another leg of the trip. This is Paul O'Brien, signing clear.